0: So, do you guys see that dot on the horizon? Yeah, those are the rails that we went off of. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Hello and welcome to the EDH Recast, brought to you by the best deck building site on the web for the Commander format, EDH Rec. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts. First up, the Speedster, whose article series takes you from 60 to 100, it's Matt Morgan
1: game of thrones is over and i'm ready to talk spoilers Arya ready
0: oh that's because very oh, very the horrors. girl <laughs> oh no oh we, uh, it's, her name is aria oh yeah no okay okay all right and for no,
1: the record no, we're
2: not going to talk about spoilers I, uh,
1: for the record i still haven't seen a, an episode so but,
2: <laughs> so aria is a spoiler for him it is right there we well, go i, I go. have spoiled
3: it for or, myself
0: Alrighty. Next, the man whose
3: articles remind you to look in the margins. It's Dana Roach. Well, you know, to stay in the same uh, theme, I am currently recording this episode from a seat on my very own throne.
0: Ooh. That's a
3: bit too much
0: information dana that's, that's and a joey joke. schultz author of the commander showdown series all these articles and more can be found at edhrec.com along with some awesome featured community content such as other commander podcasts and gameplay videos edhrec itself is a fantastic deck building resource that compiles data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks and here on edhrec cast we're going to give all that data a little more context Ladies and gents, we have another guest on the cast. He's helped construct one of the coolest deck building websites ever. He's the architect of Architect. Please welcome Andy Cassidy.
2: Wow, coolest. That's going to make my head get a bit big, but thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to have you. We're
3: thrilled to have you, but we were a little bit disappointed that your name wasn't Andy Architect.
1: See, I (laughs) I was under that impression because they just told me, hey, Andy Architect's coming on. I was like, oh. That's cool that he I'll named a
3: website after y- himself. Y- you said that as a joke, but I probably did say that because I probably forgot his last name. That's exactly what I would have said. So you, you said that, but that's r- really what happened.
2: <laughs> I mean, if it makes you guys feel better, I will respond to that name. <laughs> All right. All right. Good.
0: Thanks, Architect. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Thank you, Andy Architect. So Andy, just to sort of get to know you a little bit more, who are you? What formats do you play? What commander decks do you play? Let's get to know you.
2: Sure. Um, so I am a computer science graduate from the University of Buffalo. I've lived in Buffalo all my life, uh, born and raised, cry every time the bills do horribly. Oh. Um, and I have played magic on and off since about the masks block, I think probably was my start. Um, Formats, uh, mainly Commander. uh, That's the correct answer. Good answer. Yeah, well, I I saw that you were going to ask me about that. I was thinking how awkward it would be if I just said, no, I don't play any Commander. Um, (laughs) So I was considering doing that, but now uh, the truth is I do play the majority of uh, my play as Commander. But on and off, since I started playing, um, it's been mostly just casual. Like, I was just a little kid with my brother playing on the rug uh, with... You know 60 card decks that we built with whatever cards we had around and that's why magic was on and off for a while because that can only be so interesting you can only play your horrible elf ball deck so many times and find it fun but then like 2015 or so uh one of my brothers wanted to get me into this crazy new format uh well not new but uh edh and i uh resisted it horribly because i thought nothing could be cooler than 60 card casual um, but, uh, I did indeed try it out, uh, threw my elf ball deck into a rice commander deck and, uh, uh, here we are. I now have like 10 commander decks. Awesome.
0: And that's the way it should go for everyone. They go from, uh, I don't know, to 10 commander decks.
2: Right. Exactly.
3: So, 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 so which rice deck was it? Was it uh, selesnia or Golgari? Selesnia.
2: There we go. Yeah, nice. There we go. Yeah. Matt is thrilled. Matt's Mr. Selesnya on the cast, so he's already very, very happy. Oh, there you go. I'm trying to convince my friend to make a Selesnya Rice Super Friends deck. Uh, He's a little little weary on that, but I think I can convince him. Just tell him all the cool kids are doing it.
0: it. It's so weird to hear you pronounce it Rice. I always called it Reese. Or is it Riss? Or, I don't know, magic card pronunciations are difficult.
2: I have no idea. The only reason I go with Rice is because I named my deck Rice President. So, it was all for the puns. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, Andy, you're here to sort of talk
0: about the amazingness that is Architect, a brand new deck building website that, I don't know, at least in my circles, has really taken us by storm. It's one of the coolest sites I've ever interfaced with for building a deck and, and. like I just it, it's just so cool. I don't even know that I have words for this. This is gonna be a terrible podcast on my part, because I'm just like sort of speechless at how cool this website is.
1: Why don't you just let the man talk, Joey? Just <laughs> let the man talk.
2: <laughs> uh was there a question somewhere in there, or should I just start talking about architect? Yeah, here's the question. What is a architect? Okay, so um an architect is a uh, deck building website, as you already alluded to. Basically, it is You can store decks you can build decks i mean what we had in mind when we built it was really you know what we call brewing decks i think a lot of people use that term these days but um you know some of the deck building websites our issue with them was just they were really just a place to store cards not something that would get you into a full brewing experience so what architect does for you is it has you know a search panel right on the side next to your deck page So while you're building the deck, you're searching, you can filter cards, you can filter by terms. Um, Now you can look at EDH rec results, which uh, we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, it's it's all about having that full brewing experience, which in Commander, at least for me, is half the fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that I'm not alone here. Dana, Matt, I think you guys are the ones who introduced me to this website and how cool it is.
3: I kind of jumped on board. I think I set up my account last fall, I want to say in September. And uh, Don Miner from Rec is the one that introduced me to it because I'm uh, a real, I'm a snob. i be honest. I'm, I'm a snob about deck websites. I am. And, and I have real specific things I want from a site. And so like, over the course of last summer, you know, we had been complaining about the lack of a deck builder site that does all the things that I wanted in particular. So Don would, like, send me, hey, try this site, try this site. And they were never – it never had the specific things I want until, you know, when he – when I don't know how he got the link to Architect. Have you contacted him or what happened? But he's like, this, this has the things you want. Check it out. So he sent me the link to Architect. And it just had, like, it had the ability for me to denote whether a card's a foil or, you know, a certain edition, like – I have some cards, some decks where I want to know the specific version of that card. It has every edition of the card. It has the ability for me to do goldfish playtesting. It just had all the things I want in a really easy-to-use interface. And I I was just hooked immediately. I went from every previous suggestion he made with me going, no, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that, to, oh, yeah, this is all right here and I'm I'm good to go. I'm done now.
0: Can't get better praise than that. Matt, how's your experience been?
3: Mine's been pretty good, actually. So I... I
1: didn't make my account because I kind of forgot to, because uh, half the time, actually, I used it at work. So, But I quickly got that blocked, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but no, I use the sandbox feature a lot, actually, just throwing stuff together, trying to get stuff together to s- look at it. And for me, I'm very visual. So having a visual deck builder, like Dana said, you can see what specific cards. And for me, it wasn't, I don't need to see the additions, but just having a visual layout, for me, it helped kind of, picture how the deck was going to come out and how it was going to play a little bit better so having a visual deck builder for me made a world of difference whereas everybody else it's just a bunch of text and you see a wall of text and that's fine but for me being able to actually physically see the cards on the screen that for me made a huge amount of difference
0: well, and that's one of the cool things about the site too, is that you can toggle between the way that you want it organized. You can put it into a list format or into a visual format. You can organize it by converted mana cost, or you can organize your cards by their type or things like that. Like just all of those little nuances allow for a bunch of versatility that is so, so cool. I mean, Andy, I know that we brought you on to talk about your website, but sorry, we're so in love with it. We're, we're not
2: even letting you talk. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're doing a better job than I could, probably. Um, I mean, it, it's funny you mention all those different options and the toggles and stuff, because really that's just because, you know, as I had mentioned earlier, my friend group is a bunch of software engineers. So, and that's my play group for Magic as well. So, all those different options just come from all of us having different opinions. So, I have a friend that, you know, looks at the website and is like, hey, I want to use it this way. I'm like, fine, I'll throw this feature in for you. Um, so all those different features just came from my friends being very opinionated. <laughs> That's really cool.
0: How many years was this website in the making?
2: So we first conceived of this uh, probably back in August of 2017. And it was just us sitting on a couch after playing Game of Magic and complaining about our current options for where to store our decks. Um, and since we're all software engineers, you know, the solution that we started kind of almost joking about was why not just make our own website. Um, And then, you know, slowly that progressed as us just trying a few things out. And then when things started looking cool, we kind of started rolling a bit more. Uh, So then it kind of just morphed into just me and one of my friends working on it. Uh, Me full-time, him a bit part-time. And uh, we went into... Open beta, we had kind of been testing with our friends before then on October eighth, twenty seventeen, um, and we've been up and live since then,
0: and it's been such a joy to use since then. And that's also why eventually a partnership formed between Architect and EDA Track.
2: Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, and as you alluded to earlier, I actually reached out to uh, EDA Track first uh, because the EDH Track community or EDH community as you pro- guys probably know are hugely supportive of EDH rec. And, um, the, one of the first things that we got feedback from when we went into beta is, Hey, can you guys give your data to EDH rec? Um, and as we are all EDH players, we all are EDH rec users. So we would be thrilled to, uh, share the data. So I almost immediately after we went into beta, contacted EDH rec and got into contact with Don. Um, and as, you guys know he liked the site, and the rest is history.
0: Yeah. So now, in addition to you know just having all those really cool search features on Architect, you can also sort all of the cards that you're looking for by their EDHREC recommendation. When you start adding cards to your deck, you can also have a list of you know other cards that are played alongside the cards you've already added, and that's just a really cool fusion, and it makes deck building so legit.
2: Yeah, that we were so excited when uh, Don had suggested that we add that in, um, because, you know, classic deck building, we had a tab open with EDA track, a tab open with architect, split the screen, have them side by side. So now to be able to do that seamlessly is just awesome.
0: Yeah, you don't have to search each individual card, one click, and you've added in another card to your deck. That's just, ah, oh, it's so beautiful. That alone makes it so, so, so much fun for me.
3: yeah. And honestly, like, you know, we – this is EDH RecCast. We are clearly affiliated with the site, and the site is affiliated with Archidect. And I like Architect. We, we are big fans of the, of the software, but I, I just want to say this for, for anybody who's listening. We're not just talking about the, the site because of the affiliation. <laughs> yeah. you sh- you <laughs> should have it, You should have your decks on a deck builder site. Like, it's the best way to build a commander deck. It's the best way to edit a deck. It's the best way to make changes, make choices – just being able to have everything up on that one screen and see what cards in, you know, what sequence, uh, I'm running this many of that, to have that laid out for you is a thing you cannot replicate otherwise. Like you are losing out if you don't have your deck on something like Architect that you can look at when it comes time to add that new card. It's just the best way to do it and, and, and you'll be a better player and a better brewer having access to those tools.
0: Or it's nice especially just having them online so that if you end up taking that deck apart or refashioning it into something else, you can consult your previous list if you would like to go back and recreate yes. it. I mean, that alone is worth it.
3: Or when someone asks you for your list, oh, it's right here. Like like you you just if if you want to improve yourself as a commander player, put your deck online and I would recommend Archideck is the best place to do it, but you should just have a deck list up.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely fun, and you don't have to type out every single carbon you're adding because you can just use EDH rec- recommendations. Right, one For click sure. will do it. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Matt, you had also mentioned there's a sandbox feature. I'm a little bit less familiar with this particular feature. Um, Andy, Matt, what's going on with the sandbox?
1: So uh, sure, go yeah, ahead. Good. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong here, but basically it's yeah, just it's a right. quick place that you don't really have to log in. You just kind of brainstorm ideas real quick just to get the the creative juices flowing, if you will. Uh, you don't really yeah, have to do anything. Exactly yeah, it. just have a little freeform deck going. If you want to, If say you have an idea for an interaction for a, a modern deck, you can start doing it there and then transition it to an actual deck list and save it, then refine it from there. Same thing with Commander. I, you know, I, I was bull, brewing a Bolas' Citadel deck and I threw some cards up there and then I looked over and started adding cards from there. And then I finally saved it and really committed to it. But yeah, it's just a place to kind of play around at first. Nothing too organized, but then if you like where it's going, then you can take a picture and, you know, take your sandbox home.
2: Yeah, when we started building Architect, um, one of the things that we wanted to keep in mind was we looked at all sorts of other websites because our first instinct wasn't to build something of our own. It was to use something that already existed and one of the issues a couple sites had was that they were behind a login wall, even like view decks you had to log in. Um, so we wanted to create something that was very open to the community, you didn't even need an account to fool around with the deck brewer. So that's where the sandbox idea came in. Um, and then, you know, it transitioned to something that even when you are logged in, you might just want a space to just throw around some cards. And if you don't want to save it, you don't have to.
3: Well, to use a really specific example, I just used it today. I was editing my Gliss of the Trader deck, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to add to the deck for win conditions. So one of the things I came up with today was I'm just going to try to run a bunch of different alt win conditions. And I'm like, well, I already have one Vraska in the deck, and I know several Vraskas have like a, you know, if this token hits a person, they lose the game or whatever. So I just opened up the sandbox and threw every single Vraska Planeswalker into the sandbox. And then, like, looked at them closely, but it's like I couldn't remember which did what. So I just put them all in the sandbox to look at the cards. And then went through and, like, oh, this one doesn't do what I want, but these four do.
2: So these ones are going to import into the deck. Yep, that's exactly the idea. Uh, And it's good for me to hear that people are using it in the way that we intended it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's got to be pretty great. So I'm just kind of curious then, Andy, do you
2: have a personal favorite feature about the site? Personal favorite feature? I would say, oh gosh, see, my my issue is I work on it so often that I don't get to just sit back and brew it on it that often. Um, And my friends always make fun of me for it because I'll I'll sit down and use it like after been working on it for like two months. So there's a bunch of new features and I'll sit down and use it and be like, wow, this is a great website. (laughs) Uh, And they'll all just make fun of me (laughs) because I haven't used it for a while. Um, But... One of the lesser-known features that I use a lot, um, and sometimes I just remind people when they look for something similar, is there's something called color tagging um, that the corner of each card has the quantity of the card in it. And it's normally a gray label. Um, but if you're editing your own deck, you can actually click on that label and change the color of it. And the idea behind this was just a quick way, if you're looking at a deck, to tag a card in a way that isn't for the rest of the world to see necessarily, but just for something you to know. So, like, I have this card incoming from Card Kingdom, or I have this card, I'm trading this from a friend. Like, you have different colors, and you can label these different colors, different names, whatever you want. So I use that all the time when I'm building a new deck just to indicate where I'm getting cards from. Or if a card's, like, on the chopping block, I'll, like, label it a little red label in the corner.
0: Oh, that's... Fascinating! I love that. That's I didn't even know that that was a thing. <laughs> Which there you go, there you go. Transitions us into what are some other features that maybe users don't know about Architect that are actually available to them already?
2: Uh, sure. One that. Um... I suppose you won't know unless you tried, is uh, you can use drag-and-drop on Architect. Uh, so if you're looking at card in search, you can drag it into your uh, deck, and if you're trying to change the categories of cards, you can drag them around the deck editor. Another would be, uh, so when you extend the search panel um, on the left side or the statistics panel on the right side. Um, there's little lock icons that can lock them out, so you can view your uh, st- statistics or your search all on the same page as your deck. And while you're editing it, you can like watch the charts for your deck grow. And those actually are um, not only those little lock icons on the panels panels themselves, but you can transition go over to your account settings and make it so those are always locked out. So if you have like you know a gigantic ultra wide screen. You can set those to be out all the time. So you just are always looking at your stats, always looking at your search.
0: Dang, these are really, really cool. Dana, Matt, I know that we talked, we'd gushed really about some other features that we really loved. But is there anything in particular, like the number one feature that you love using the most?
3: The number one for me is the ability to just play test out hands. And, you know what, I guess I haven't looked to see if there's a better way to do this, but I usually open up, like, multiple windows, and I sometimes play multiple decks of mine against each other. Dude, you are such a nerd, and I love it. I am. (laughs) But, like, particularly if it's a brand new deck, one I've just built, and I've just cut it down to 100 cards, I'll just open up two other decks of mine and do, like, a three-player game, just so I can get a feel for, okay, am I hitting land drops? Am I hitting my my rocks you know by turn three or four or whatever and i'll play out half a dozen games as i'm watching tv or something just to like make sure things are kind of functioning fluidly
1: i start calling you dana the time elemental from now on
3: (laughs) but like really because like then you'll catch things like oh okay i thought i had enough rocks but I'm, i'm like regularly not hitting one so you'll add one and then do that again and realize it's much much smoother that's something you would do at the shop playing games but it would have taken you three weeks to, you know, play enough games probably with that deck to hit that point that I did in, you know, 20 minutes. That's, (laughs) you're a huge nerd
0: and it's wonderful, Dana.
3: (laughs) So then, Andy, I also kind of have to ask if
0: there are any unique factors about EDHREC that maybe influenced the design of Architect at all.
2: Sure. I mean, really going into uh, once Don and I started talking about what features we could do together, turning basically that left search panel into something that's just easy ways to add cards to your deck um and as soon as we got into the ability to um add cards based on edh uh you know statistics it it just transitioned that panel into something that we didn't really see it being before originally like we had a bottom toolbar that people didn't even know was there that linked up to that but once we realized that that panel on the side was going to be our main way that we were trying to get people to just single click as you said add stuff to a deck we switched the toolbar over there linked that all up so now we have the recommendations the search uh, in the future we're thinking about like we have you know a traditional text import um way to add cards to a deck we're thinking about adding it to that panel so you can you know look at that and your deck at the same time um, that was something huge that edh rec influenced us with
0: That's really cool. So there are a couple of maybe upcoming site features then?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just today we uh, did a small release. Uh, We now support Oathbreaker, um, and uh, our autocomplete, which has been a request for a while now, uh, now is not spelling specific because my uh, partner that I work on this site with is horrible with spelling and always cannot find cards. So uh, now he... Has that option to horribly misspell "segarda" and still get Cigarda. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those just came out today. But in far as future features coming forward, um, we're currently working on uh, just overhauling our dev form a bit. So we do have a forum on the site. It was never supposed to be anything huge. It's really just something to get feedback from the community. Um, but we're overhauling the dev form a bit because we want to basically make it something where we post features that we're thinking of and then people can vote on them and then we can basically see you know the highest votes where the community wants us to be going you know we can't promise that we'll always do exactly what the community wants us to but that has been a huge guiding factor um the entire time has been suggestions from the community um so that forum rework is a big one on the docket and then the other one that we're currently working on is um multiple categories So right now, as you guys probably know, you can sort cards into categories, which is hugely important in EDH, like, you know, you make your card draw category so you can track how many card draw cards you have in your deck. But what the issue that a lot of users encounter is, you have a card like Solemn Simulacrum, you're going to want it to be under both your card draw category and your ramp. And the reason we didn't do this right off the back is that is a logistical nightmare programming-wise, because And visually, because what are you going to do? Are you going to then, in the singleton format, visual representation, have two solemn simulacrums on the screen? But we've been talking about this over and over and over because we've gotten a lot of requests for it. And we think we have a good solution in mind. So we're just starting to work on that. So multiple categories you can look forward to in the future.
0: I am excited. I am very excited about this. (laughs)
2: Glad to hear. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of people that say that's something that they'd love to use.
0: That's fantastic. And so this actually kind of transitions us into another thing. Just while we've got you on the show, we figured that we'd also take a quick note to mention that there have been some upgrades to Rec itself as well. There have been a couple of things that we've, you know, spruced up a little bit. Maybe it's because we're in kind of competition with you now over at Architects, since you guys are making such a really cool and innovative site. <laughs> we have to spruce up the stuff that we're offering here at EDHREC as well.
2: Ah, uh, Well, you're doing a good job, Um The the clipboard feature that you guys added, which I'm sure you'll describe better than I can, but uh, when uh, I got emailed about that and uh, I didn't know it was a feature and offered to include Architect on it, I was thrilled just to see the feature on EDHREC because years and years of me, well, years of me using EDHREC, uh, I would have loved to have that feature to just add things to a list and clipboard. Um, So, love to see that.
0: Yeah. So the clipboard feature that you're mentioning, this was uh, sort of initially announced by an, uh, in an article by our writer Kyle Keller, um, and it's actually based on something that Greg Bateman uh, made on reddit he debuted this chrome extension on reddit that he called better edh rec and don Miner liked it so much that he actually add the guy on uh, to actually expand that and make it a clipboard feature here on edh rec so on edh rec when you hover over a card you'll see this plus sign on the top right you can click that and it'll add cards to a clipboard at the bottom of the screen and as you start adding more cards just like on architect edh rec will start making recommendations below that based on the cards in your clipboard and you can just hit the green check mark on those to add them to your list as well. And there are links once you've started adding a bunch of cards to that clipboard. Here, there are links to go find and purchase those cards on like TCG Player or Card Kingdom. But best of all, you can also copy the list on your clipboard and export it to, say, a website like Architect. Like, it's just so fun. And right on EDA track you actually have the ability to start brewing and tinkering and deck building a little bit there too.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the, uh, the sandbox that you have over at Architect. It's just a quick place to brainstorm ideas, compile everything so you don't lose track because I can't count the times I've been you know, seeing cards and I write them down and I write them down on a piece of paper. But then I throw that away because I come back 20 minutes later and I want to pick up and I can't remember where I left off and I can't remember what I was just doing. So the clipboard is super handy for that.
2: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that it's like the sandbox when I was uh, writing the import feature for the opposite end of this on architect to receive from the clipboard. I was trying to think of where do I send these cards to and right now it brings you to a landing screen where you have three options and one of them in my mind immediately had to be send these cards to the sandbox because it's the same concept you're on EDH rec you're trying to grab these cards for this deck idea you're not sure you want to do anything with it yet so just throw it in you know what used to be just a list of card names but now we have just a place to fool around with it.
0: Definitely a really cool feature. And I think you're right that the clipboard feature is probably my favorite new uh, new thing that's showing up on EDHREC. But there are actually even a couple of other small aesthetic ones that have appeared as well. Uh, for example, we've added in commander rankings. So you might see beneath the commander now, you might see 12 out of 888. And that just means that this commander is the 12th most popular overall of all 888 possible legendary creatures. And this is just kind of useful for folks who like to use maybe lesser known commanders, such as, you know, Dana or someone like that mm <laughs> I have
3: no idea what you're talking about, Joseph. <laughs> no idea at all, I'm sure.
0: But it's just kind of cool. And actually, if you recall on a previous episode with Benny Smith, we had talked about the salt score. Well, there's actually a small salt shaker on some of the cards now, too, that got a high salt rating. You know, things like Armageddon and even the band Leovold, things that still make people a little bit salty. And so there's just a small thing on there, too. So just a couple of little extra details on Trek that I think are pretty fun. But yeah, that clipboard feature, deck building right on Trek, and the ability to export it to another fascinating website like architect i mean all of this is just making deck building so much of a breeze for me and i absolutely appreciate that because deck building's hard
3: it is it absolutely is and any tools you can get to make it easier are tools you should explore
0: all right andy anything else that we should know about architect before we start wrapping this show up
2: oh i think we hit most of the things um I guess just a general request for people to check it out and but more importantly let us know what you think um as i've mentioned community feedback is huge for us uh that's been the source of a lot of our features all of our bug fixes so if you see something broken on architect let us know we'll get as qu- fixed as quickly as possible um but yeah just check us out and let us know what you think
3: well i will i will throw one more anecdotal story out there regarding a bug fix Uh, I ran into a bug, this was probably like six or eight weeks ago, where I couldn't get artifact lands to stay categorized as lands. They would constantly get shifted back over to being artifacts, which isn't a big deal, but just like visually look at the deck and i like, why am I at 32 lands? Um, So I I went and did a a bug report onto the forums and got a response. I wasn't sure, I'm not even sure who it was from, but I got a response from, from one of you guys about it within... Like, two hours saying, yeah, we'll take care of that next week. And it was fixed, like, that quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe we should have more of a life and shouldn't be prowling our forums that much. But, <laughs> yep, yep, that's about what it is.
3: But like, in the past, like, I, I won't I won't specify what deck builder sites, but, like, I've encountered bugs before that I've reported and gotten angry responses back from the developers oh who were mad that I found a bug. Um, and this, it, was, it was just refreshing to see the opposite response.
2: Yeah, well, and it's also been refreshing for us that overwhelmingly when people report bugs to us, they're incredibly supportive, you know, we'll apologize and people are like, no, it's great. You know, whenever you can get it fixed, awesome. And when we do fix it, people are extremely grateful. It's really been a wonderful experience for us. Uh, The community has been fantastic.
0: I mean, so is the deck building website. So no wonder people are being fantastic about it. It is a darn useful tool. We've got one more segment. We can't let you go just yet. We want to challenge some statistics with you. So that's the thing that we like doing here on Track. We enjoy looking at some of the data here on the website and maybe, you know, picking it apart a little bit. Is a card being played too much? Is a card seeing too little play? That kind of thing. Matt, do you want to start us off with your challenge the stats this week?
1: I suppose I can. So, I'm looking specifically at Omnath Locus of Rage. Like
0: I you guys
1: have made fun of me plenty of times, I don't update decks very often and when I do I go all out. So, I found a card that I mm. I really wanted to I wanted to like and we all liked it on our set review for the set when it came out, but Guardian Project in an Omnath Locus of Rage deck. Currently, it's showing up in 12%, but it's only 100 decks total have come out, so not too much, but I do not think Guardian Project is very good for Omnath locus of Rage decks. Now, hear me out on why. So, Guardian Project says whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield. So, you need non-token creatures, but when you look at Omnath decks, there, a majority of the creatures, or creature sources, I guess you should say, are tokens. Uh, you have stuff like Zendikar's Royal, you have uh, Titania, Protector of Argoth, a bunch of cards that basically make tokens whenever a land comes into play, Omnath himself makes a, a five, five whenever you have landfall. So you're making a bunch of tokens, which don't actually trigger guardian Project. The average Omnath deck is playing 22 creatures, which is a fine number, but I don't think enough of them are going to make a, a big enough impact for guardian project to be worth it. Say you're playing something like Avenger of Zendikar and it winners when it enters, when it enters the battlefield, you create an 01 for each land you control. That's great, but you don't draw any cards off of those zero ones. Um, uh, I just don't think some of these token makers that just are very, very common in Omnath decks make it worth running Guardian Project. I think other cards, like Elemental Bond, is going to be a much better option for you. It's just a, whenever a creature enters a a battlefield with power three or greater, then you draw a card. In that case, you're going to be drawing a ton of cards with Omnath alone. So I think Guardian Project, it's showing up as one of those new cards, and I don't think it should be there in Omnath decks.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of other options that are similar to that Elemental Bond, Garrick's Pack Leader, or even just effects like Shamanic Revelation or Regal Force. Those are probably other things that would draw you more cards on average than Guardian Project. Definitely. Gotcha. All right. So I'm on board, only showing up at 12%, but sounds like you want it to be zero.
1: It probably should be zero. I think, especially, like I said, when you look through the top cards, so many of them have a landfall trigger that make creature tokens uh, rampaging Baylos, for example makes a four for every time a land comes into play it won't trigger off guardian project but it will trigger off elemental bonds so let's let's look that way a little bit i think
0: yeah especially since you're in a landfall deck so much of the deck the slots have to be devoted to land so having mm-hmm. a non-land or a non-landfall slot can be pretty important in a deck like that i i think i'm picking up what you're putting down i like it the pick for me on challenges stats this week is also a uh, green card advantage engine actually i'm looking at a Slimefoot the Stowaway deck, which memorably deals damage to people whenever your Saperling tokens die, because Slimefoot is just disgusting like all Golgari decks are, which is my favorite favorite thing in the world to see. A thing that I'm surprised that more people aren't playing in Slimefoot, though, are the cards Snake Umbra and Keen Sense, both of which let you draw cards whenever the enchanted creature deals damage to an opponent. And Slimefoot in a weird departure for black, deals damage instead of making each opponent lose life, which is just awesome. If you slap a Keen Sense or a Snake Umbra on Slimefoot and then one of your Slapperlings dies, he deals one damage to each opponent and you'll draw that many cards, which is just awesome. And yet they're only showing up in like 23% of Slimefoot decks. I think that is a cert for Slimefoot and more people should be enjoying it.
3: Yeah, and you don't even need to draw that many cards off off those enchantments because they're, they're one mana to cast, right?
0: Uh, keen sense is sixth sense does not actually work because sixth sense does require combat damage. Okay, but snake umbra that's a three mana enchantment, but you get the benefit of totem armor with that one, so right even as protection, I think it's still super worth it. Sure.
1: Yeah, I I really like keen sense. I've been hosed many times by an angry Bobo deck because they'll just fling lands at me and then draw cards and fling lands at me and draw cards. It's it's, it's unfortunate.
0: I mean, yeah, those are excellent options. When you're dealing damage with your commander, make sure that you keep your eye out for these cards. Even though, you know, black usually doubles in life loss, these particular cards synergize excellently with Slimefoot, and so they definitely deserve to see more than just 23% and 21% respectively of popularity in that deck, because they're really, really cool. Andy, what's your challenge with stats?
2: So I'm going to focus on a commander that's very dear to my heart. Uh, That would be Galta Primal Conger. Um, and this is a bit less about a specific card and a bit more about a uh, Archetype and that is vehicles. I uh, Built in Galta deck a while back that now is the bane of my friend group um, That really focuses on vehicles and the reason I bring this up is because looking at artifacts on EDHREC for the Galta page the only one on there is Cultivator's Caravan at a abysmal 9% of uh, decks and I will stand by my decision to put vehicles in, even though they're goofy, uh, just because one of the biggest problems I've encountered with any mono green deck is uh, susceptibility to board wipes. And with Galta, uh, for those of you at home, um, 10 colorless mana, to green pips, uh, but he costs uh, X less to cast, where X is the total power of creatures you control. So you have... Uh, Vehicles like Consulate Dreadnought, for example, that cast cost one mana to cast. Um, but if you can crew them, which accrue six for Consulate Dreadnought, uh, you get seven power on board. But the six crew cost, which is also power-based, is not so hard in a deck where you're trying to get just a bunch of power on board. So what you're doing is you're paying these ridiculously cheap costs for these high-powered potential creatures And what I love about them is when someone comes around and board wipes your giant green board state, you still have these vehicles sitting there that you can very quickly rebuild your board with.
0: Well, that sounds pretty darn nasty. I think the only thing I disagree with is that you called Galty a he because Galt is a she. But aside from that, <laughs> so, I'm super on board.
2: I actually always call Galt a she, but the other day I was looking it up, and apparently in like a German translation for the card, they use a male pronoun.
1: Just blame the
2: Germans. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But That's a good app. I, I would agree with you, though. I think she's a fine lady.
3: <laughs>
2: so
0: Majestic. Eagles. Vehicles is pretty interesting, especially as you say in green
2: Yeah, it's it's really, you know, I like making goofy decks um, So a- as soon as I kind of had this idea, I just ran with it um, and it's worked out surprisingly well um, Because my friends hate removing the Galta only to have to be cast for two green mana the very next turn Um
3: yeah, you're kind of doubling up on your power because the next turn, you know, you play a creature that can crew a vehicle that was already in play, which you're essentially able to play one thing and get double the power out of it in terms of the uh, the math on Galto. That's actually, that's super cool. I like that a lot. And it's neat too. As you mentioned,
0: this is an interesting way to think about you know, recovering from a board wipe. Normally we would expect that, oh, we're in green. We have to use our cards like Shamanic Revelation or keen Sense or whatever to draw the cards before our creatures die. But you're actually finding a way to maintain card advantage even in the event that the creatures die after the fact, which is just really darn cool.
2: Yeah, assuming it's not Planar Cleansing or something, but that's a whole different issue. (laughs) Of course,
0: it's just really cool to think outside the box like that. I absolutely love it. Okay, Dana, we're going to wrap up with yours. What's your challenge of stats?
3: My challenge of sets is on a card that is a uh, legit win condition for me in my Veil of the Nightclad deck, but I think it could be a win condition card in more decks than the 465 total decks it's currently in right now, and that's March of the Machines. It's an enchantment, three and a blue, so four total mana, and it just says each non-creature artifact is an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its converted mana cost. So your Soul Ring becomes a 1-1, your Throne animal becomes a 4-4, your Gilded Lotus becomes a 5-5. I I run a lot of artifacts in my Vela deck anyway, and she gives them Intimidate because that's how she works. So many times I can just drop this and turn my six mana rocks into 15 or 18 power on board that can't be blocked in addition to whatever artifact creatures I already had and swing through and kill somebody. And then I don't really worry then too much about what anybody else does with that because I usually have more artifacts to use and I try to kill the person that would have the most things that could benefit from it as well. But I don't think it's just Veil decks that could benefit from this. There's a lot of artifact commanders out there that probably sometimes struggle to find a win condition, whether it's something like Padim or Sahili the Gifted or even a Sidri Galvanic Genius who animates stuff on her own but it requires a good bit of mana. I mean... Those decks are running like one or two copies or or of the decks on the list. They're running, you know, like maybe five or 10% of the decks actually have March of the Machines. And looking at how many rocks and how many artifacts are in those decks, there's a bunch of times that those lists could just cast March of the Machines and overrun somebody essentially with the mana rocks that they have sitting there on turn 14 that are making mana that they can't really use anyway.
0: It's such an interesting card. I think the main hesitation with March of the Machines is that it would animate things like your artifact lands or your treasure tokens or things like that. And since they would then be 0 zeros, they would perish. So they would go away completely. But I like the way that you're categorizing
3: it. Yeah, it's a thing you would use, like, you don't want to have it in play and assume it's going to be sitting around for four turns. It's a thing you want to drop when you're going to kill somebody. Yeah, like a coat of arms. You don't want to play coat of arms yes, early. absolutely. You
0: play coat of arms like it's an overwhelming stampede. And so you're yep. saying the same is true of March of the Machines.
3: Yes. And I don't think it goes in every deck or maybe even a lot of decks, but I think it goes in more than 465 decks, considering how many lists in the are running 10 or 12 or 15 mana rocks. It's only in 465 decks total? Yes. Okay, yeah. I think I'm on board with your challenge this week. Yep.
2: I concur.
0: Already. Well, Andy, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute delight having you.
2: Thanks for having me. I had a blast.
0: Yeah. And hey, as a reminder to our listeners, we're going to be at GP Kansas City up here very, very soon, aren't we?
1: We are, yeah. So we're going to go to my old stomping grounds, Kansas City. I believe we're going to be on the Kansas side. Believe it or not, Kansas City is actually on two different states. A little knowledge bomb for you guys. Um, But it'll be the weekend of June 1st. We'll have, a, am sure, some sort of casual meetup. I know all three of us will be there. Uh, So if anybody else, all you listeners are going to be in Kansas City for the GP or Magic Fest, whatever we're calling it these days, uh, definitely give us a shout on Twitter. Let us know you're going to be there. Uh, I don't think we have any official details on meetups, but I know that we'll be playing casual games all weekend. Yeah, we'd love to see your decks. Love to meet you guys and uh if you're lucky, Dana will take a picture with you.
3: <laughs> and we'll make sure we tweet out like where we're at, where we're playing. So if you yes. if you're looking to find us in the hall, just check our Twitter and we'll have posted the most recent table where we're at playing. If you if you can't, um just track some of the sound of our voices. Yeah. So if yeah. you want
0: to help me, you know, destroy Matt and Dana in a game, definitely would appreciate it. And Come if you
3: guys me. wanna bring a rest in peace to the table,
1: God hey, bless. No. <laughs> no,
0: please don't. Please don't. Please yeah, don't.
1: well, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have some sort of bonus content considering we're all going to be together face to face. So we'll we'll probably have some some special whatever fun content for everybody too.
0: <laughs> righty. and on that, I think we're going to call this episode to a close. I'd like to thank my co-hosts so much for joining me. And if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they find you all, Matt? You can find me on the Twitters at Mathimus55,
1: mathemus five five.
0: And Dana.
3: You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach, and you can hear me twice a week on my other podcast, CMDR Central.
0: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. And Andy, where can our listeners find you?
2: Well, they can, of course, come to architect.com and check us out. But if they'd like to find us on Twitter, we are at architect, which is A-R-C-H-I-D-E-K-T awesome special thanks to our editor
0: for the show as well ken pedal he's also known as kenish Norn. you can follow him on twitter at loader that's l-o-a-d-3-r you can follow edhrec and the cast on facebook and twitter and you can contact us at edhreccast at gmail.com plus you can find us on itunes and if you do please consider leaving us a review to help other folks find the podcast as well this cast is posted every week on edhrec's community content spotlight section where we feature as many other content creators as we can from command zone to commander's brew to commander versus not to mention new articles published every day by our own fantastic team writers definitely check out architect and those new edh rec features and we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights but until then remember edh rec your deck before you wreck your what
3: that that show had been off the air looks like 56 years when you were born Wow. For, yeah. for the record, Data. Andy, this is what it's always like
0: before and after the show where they make fun of the fact that I'm only 27.
2: Well, I'm 23, so <laughs>
0: Hey, someone's younger than ah. me. Yeah, you can yeah,
1: feel all right. He's he's a guest and he's smarter than all of us combined. So
2: That is a, a verifiable right, fact. I don't know about that.
3: <laughs> I actually kind of got a shock I was talking to Ken today and about uh, my age came up. And he's like, oh, you're only like six years older than me. So Ken's in his mid 30s. I know. Which it's I was, weird. I assumed he was like 23 or something based on skateboard videos because I assume anyone <laughs> who skateboards is 23 or younger. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was, which then makes this video <laughs> even more impressive because I'm like, oh, he could break a hip very easily. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> he falls off that skateboard.
1: He's, he's listening too.
3: I know. he well, I'm, not, I'm not like joking. i like it's that much more impressive. That That's because you know,
1: up in Canada they stay very spry.
3: That's true. All that maple yeah, syrup, food, maple syrup and poutine.